Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series in the Book of Romans with this message entitled, Lordship of Christ, preached at Sugar Pine Point, South Lake Tahoe, June the 22nd, 2012. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 14, verse 5. So we are ministering from the Book of Romans. I already preached from... Romans 14, 1 through 4. Now I will preach to you from Romans 14, 5 through 9. I will speak to you about the Lordship of Christ. The heart of this section of Scripture, Romans 14, 5 through 9, speaks of how the Lordship of Christ works in the lives of each believer and the church family. The Holy Spirit applies to each elect sinner the redemption accomplished by Jesus Christ by his obedient life, death, and resurrection. So the Holy Spirit regenerates a sinner and causes him to confess, Curios Jesus, Lord is Jesus. Without this confession, no one can be saved. Romans 10 verse 9. So he repents and believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is made able to do this. By grace alone. If Jesus Christ is Lord and King, then the believer is his bond slaves. As we read in Deuteronomy 15, 16, and 17. But if your servant says to you, because he loves you and your family and is well off with you, then take an owl and push it through his earlobe into the door, and he will become your servant for life. Do the same for your maid servant. Believers have ears that have been what, sir? Pierced. A believer. Hear and do the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 1 and verse 1, St. Paul calls himself doulos to Christuesu, slave, born slave of Jesus Christ. We are slaves of Jesus Christ because we love Jesus Christ who loved us and died for our sins and was raised for our justification. Friends, Christian life is a delightful slavery. It is sheer happiness to serve the Lord who became the suffering servant and by whose stripes we are healed. So the word kurios, Lord, appears 
seven times in this section of scripture. The teaching that one can receive Jesus as Savior only and not Lord is the teaching of antinomianism. It's the teaching of cheap grace and easy believism. No one can be saved without receiving Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as Lord. So this teaching that you can divide Jesus and receive him as Savior alone, this teaching is against the Holy Scriptures. It is of the devil to such people who refuse to serve him as Lord. The Lord would say on the day of judgment, Depart from me, you workers of anomia, lawlessness. Friends, the proof that Jesus Christ saved you by grace alone is that you love him and keep his holy moral commandments. So I want to speak to you about the Lordship of Christ. First then, he is Lord of the Lord's day. The church of God is a holy family consisting of strong people, weak people, and infants. There are vegetarians and non-vegetarians, weak and strong. Those who know more about scriptures and those who are still in the first grade. Those who are of great faith and those who are of small faith. But they all confess Christ and love Jesus Christ. They all believe the apostolic teachings in matters of indifference or diaphora. There is freedom. Let weak Christians eat only vegetables until he learns the scriptures and grows up in faith to enjoy the full Christian liberty. Let him celebrate Jewish festivals as well as fast days. The strong believer will look upon every day alike because he knows Christ has abrogated the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament. Yet the true believer, strong and weak, knows that the moral laws are still applicable to all believers. The Ten Commandments, including the Fourth Commandment, which deals with Sabbath, is applicable to us. And this fourth commandment says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. We are to work six days and enjoy rest in God one day. These ten commandments are for all to keep, not only for believers, but also for unbelievers. Because they are written by God in all human hearts. 
Romans 2 and verse 15. The Lordship of Christ affects, therefore, also the fourth commandment. So Romans 15, 5 and 6 is not speaking of the weekly Sabbath observance. Because it is part of the moral law. And not ceremonial law which Christ abrogated. Believers in Jesus Christ are to obey all moral laws. As grace enables them by the work of the Holy Spirit. I said the Holy Spirit regenerated them. They are given a new heart. A responsive heart. They are baptized in the Holy Ghost. They are given power to live a Christian life, power to witness. They are filled with the Holy Ghost. They are taught in the scriptures by the Spirit. They are daily being led by the Holy Spirit. God works in them and they work out the will of God, the moral law. By grace, they can do all the will of God. They are in Christ and Christ is in them by the Spirit. They are united with Christ who is their life. So they bring forth fruit, more fruit and much fruit. The Holy Spirit produces in them the fruit of the Spirit. Such as love, joy, peace and so on. A fruitless Christian, listen to me friends... A fruitless Christian is a false Christian. He's a fake. He's a leech. He's a mistletoe. He's a bed bug. So a true Christian keeps all commandments. He does not steal, lie, murder, commit adultery and so on. The Bible says he who stole, let him steal no longer let him work with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. As an unbeliever, he stole. As a believer, he gives to the needy. So also a believer works six days and he rests in God one day. New Testament Sabbath day is the first day of the week in celebration of Christ's finished work of redemption. So we read in Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 21, article 7 and 8. As it is the law of nature that in general a due proportion of time be set apart for the worship of God. So in his word, by a positive moral and perpetual commandment binding all men in all ages, he has particularly appointed one day in seven for a Sabbath to be kept holy unto him, which from the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ was the last day of the week and from the resurrection of Christ was changed into the first day of the week which in scripture is called the Lord's day 
and is to be continued to the end of the world as the Christian Sabbath. This Sabbath is to be kept holy unto the Lord when men after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering of their common affairs beforehand do not only observe and holy rest all the day from their own works, words, and thoughts about their worldly employments and recreations, but also are taken up the whole time in the public and private exercises of his worship and in the duties of necessity and mercy. Christ, friends, rose on the first day of the week. He appeared to disciples on the first day of the week. He ordered his people to assemble on the first day of the week. He appeared to John on the Isle of Patmos on the Lord's day. The first day of the week is the Lord's day. That is, it belongs to the Lord. The Lord's Supper belongs to the Lord. The Lord's tithes belongs to the Lord. So we are not to appropriate them for ourselves. So on the Lord's day, we who confess Jesus is Lord come together to engage in worship. Also to do the works of necessity and mercy. The Lord's day is set apart for us to look to the Lord and fellowship with God's people. The Sabbath, we are told, was made for man. And I believe man still needs Sabbath. So God's people celebrate the Sabbath day on the first day of the week. You can read the booklet Ian H. Murray's booklet, Rest in God and a Calamity in Contemporary Christianity, published by Banner of Truth. And you can read my forthcoming book on Acts. So let me read from Scripture, Acts 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. Now about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches do on the first day of every week. Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will be made. Revelation 1 verse 10, on the Lord's day I was in spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as the habit of some ease. 
But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So the Lord's Day celebration is not a matter of adiaphora indifference. Like eating meat or only eating vegetables. Romans 14, 5 and 6 deals with days which had to do with Jewish festivals and fast days. Not the Lord's day. Therefore, there is freedom to the strong every day is alike. To the weak, the Jewish Christians, one day is more sacred. Each one, Paul says, should be convinced in his own mind in this matter. He has freedom. Second, we live our life to the Lord. You notice that. To the Lord. To curio. We do what we do because we serve Jesus Christ, our master. Whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do it all for the glory of God to the Lord. We do all to please God. We do all in the name of the Lord. We give thanks to the Lord because it is a privilege to be a slave of Jesus who gave us true freedom. So he who keeps one day as special, he does it to the Lord. In the Greek, it is a dative of advantage. Dative of advantage. To the Lord's advantage we live. He does to the Lord's advantage. That is in the Lord's service. To the Lord's glory. To the Lord's profit. His Lord commanded him. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to serve, save his life, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. A slave's will is the will of his master. He thinks his master's thought. He wills and delights in his master's will and do them. Jesus always pleased his father and did his father's will. He lived to his father. He said, not my will, but thine be done and went to the cross. The way of Jesus Christ is also our way. We follow him and does his will. We live for him and die for him. He is Lord who by his death destroyed the sting of death by keeping the law of God in our behalf. He has given us eternal life and we shall never perish. Friends, we are united to him who is life. Not life and death. Who is life. And who can never die. 
again. So death cannot separate us from Christ who lives. So I live for glorifying Christ by obeying the Lord. Paul told us that we are called by the apostolic gospel for the obedience of faith. Romans 1 verse 5. He who eats meat to the Lord's advantage. He eats the unbeliever. We are told in Romans 1.21, he is thankless. He is thankless, he is hopeless, he is worthless, and he is godless. He thanks himself. Haven't you heard when a person is healed of cancer, he says very proudly, I beat my cancer. Not so a true believer. He gives thanks to God for everything. His life is a gift. His food is a gift. His clothes are God's gift. His work is God's gift. His family is God's gift. So he thanks God for everything. In everything, give thanks. Jesus and the apostles gave thanks for food and all good things. The vegetarian eats to the Lord, to the Lord's advantage and benefit. He gives thanks to God. Why do we eat and drink to the Lord and thank God? Because none of us, Paul says, lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. Yes, we die. Our body is a mortal body. We live in a fallen world, yet we do not live independent lives. Each one belongs to the Lord, and each one belongs to each other. So we are to love the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Friends, at the foot of the cross, we threw away our imagined independence. We don't live alone or die alone. We are owned by the Lord. We live in the Lord's service and glory. And we die in the service of the Lord. And for his glory, we die. The chief end of man is to glorify God in life and in death and enjoy him forever. Yes, we live in the interest of our Lord and his church. Our thanksgiving to God sanctifies the food and God blesses it to our good health for his work. We live and move and work. Coram Deo. We live our lives in God's presence. We live a God-centered and God-conscious life. The word of Christ dwells in us richly. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, dwells in us. He rules us by his spirit through the word 
and through the holy church, which is the family of God, the body of Christ, and the temple of God. Whether we live, we live in the Lord's service daily. Whether we die in the Lord's service and for his glory, we die. Confessing Christ as St. Stephen did as he was welcomed to heaven by his living Lord. The believing thief on the cross confessed Jesus as king and died for Christ's glory. Yes, we not only live for the Lord's glory, we also die for his glory. Balaam earnestly desired to die the death of the righteous, but he refused to live for the glory of God and died a wicked death. The rich man of Luke 16 lived for his own glory, and so he died to go to the hell of torment. The beggar Lazarus lived for the Lord's glory, and when he died, heaven celebrated. For God sent angels to transport his spirit to paradise, to live in God's presence in eternal joy. Remember, saints, we die in the service of our Lord and for his glory. Number three, we are not our own. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. We are the Lord's sheep. He owns us. He paid the highest price to purchase us for himself. He laid down his life for us. So we read in John chapter 10, five times that the good shepherd laid his life down for the glory of God and for our salvation. I said he paid a high price, his own blood. So we read in Acts 20 verse 28, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with God's own blood. It's an amazing statement. Ephesians 1 verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed. From the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. But with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. God, friends, is not the God of the dead, but of the living. The dead in Christ 
are living with God right now. Jesus said, Matthew 22 verse 32, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And we read in Hebrews 12, 22 through 24, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Yes, there is a heaven, sir. And the dead in Christ are right now there, worshiping with us. He paid such high price to own us to himself. We are his slaves. But we are more than his slaves. We are his portion. We are his treasure. We are his jewels. We are his body. We are his church. We are his children. We are his friends. We are his family. We are his kingdom. We are his radiant bride. At death, friends, life here stops. But a more glorious life in heaven begins. At death, we commit our spirit to God as Jesus and Stephen did. At death, we go to God to receive the triple crown. The crown of righteousness, the crown of life, and the crown of glory. The Lordship of Jesus Christ is not limited Lordship. It is unlimited. It is comprehensive. It reaches to our motives, our words, our deeds, our ambitions, our family, our work, our worship, our finance, and so on. Jesus does not save anyone upon whose life he does not rule. The Lord has indisputable right to rule us by the right of creation and by the right of redemption. Jesus is Lord in my life now and Jesus, thank God, is my Lord in my death. So Jesus says to each one of us, Fear not, by my death I have destroyed your death. By faith in me you have crossed over death into life. So we always live in the sphere of life even when we die. Union with Jesus guarantees not only your spiritual resurrection but also your glorious physical resurrection. Christ is risen, and so we too shall rise in him. So whether we die slowly by cancer, or quickly by a massive heart attack, we belong to the Lord who is resurrection and life, 
and who declared the truth. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? The will of God is that we live. So we say to God, thy will be done. No matter what that entails. For we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. God, friends, will not permit anything in this world to bring about our destruction. He is Lord of all and he is our savior. Whether we live or whether we die, what is it? We belong to the Lord. The Lord takes good care of his property. No one shall be lost Everyone shall be saved. We belong to the Lord. And so also we belong to one another. There is no independence in the family of God. Friends, a sinner is lonely. He lives an independent life. He lives for himself. He is self-centered. He pleases himself at the expense of others. He is a stranger to love that sacrifices for the benefit of the other. Love, friends, is placarded by the cross of Christ. Christ loved us and died for us. So we love God and God's people. And this way of love is our happiness and inexpressible joy. So Romans 14, 9 says that we belong to the Lord because Paul says for this very purpose Christ died and came to life ask the question what is the purpose why did he die and came to life that he may rule his kingdom consisting of his people, his saints, his church, that he may be the Lord of the dead and the living saints of God. The lordship over his church was given him by his father as a reward for his redemptive work. It is his right to save us and rule our lives. Satan rules to kill and destroy. The rule of Jesus Christ is the greatest blessing imaginable. He has come to give us life, eternal life, abundant life, and kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Away with the heresy that one can receive Jesus as Savior but not as Lord. Romans 14, 5 through 9 totally refutes such error. You cannot divide Jesus Christ. He is Lord and he is Savior. 
Friends, before we came to know Christ, sin exercised mastery over us. Romans 6, 9 and verse 14. Death exercised mastery over us. Death exercised lordship over us. Law exercised lordship over us. The devil exercised lordship over us. But now... The Lord Jesus Christ exercises lordship over us. So we are told, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now grace reigns through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now we belong to the Lord who rules us and for whom we live. And for whom we die. This Lord Jesus Christ by his death destroyed our death and brought life. Friends, we live for God's glory. We live to please the Lord. We thank God for his gifts. We do all things in his name. We live a fearless, cheerful life too. The Lord, Soli Deo Gloria. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you that Jesus Christ is Lord of our life. We are a blessed people. Lord, we pray that you straighten out the crooked and make them like us, straight people. Loving Jesus Christ and doing his will for our great joy. And happiness. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.